This is the Iowa State Athletics SciCast. The SciCast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Visit any Van Wall location today to test drive the full lineup of John Deere compact utility tractors, which have the power and versatility to conquer anything this season. I'm John Walters. Today's SciCast is a visit with Gina Curtis Rickard, who will soon be inducted into the Iowa State Athletics Hall of Fame. The greatest high jumper in cyclone history, Gina made an incredible adjustment early in her collegiate career when after multiple surgeries on her left knee, she taught herself to jump off her right leg instead. We hope you'll enjoy this visit with future Hall of Famer, Gina Curtis Rickard. Well, Gina, what did it mean to you to get that call, letting you know that you're going to be a member of the Iowa State Hall of Fame? You know, when Jamie Pollard called, I guess I just had an overwhelming sense of gratitude, not necessarily for the actual Hall of Fame recognition. Well, it was certainly had that feeling of pride and past accomplishments, but where it really came from is the gratitude of all of the people that had journeyed with me <laughs> through my athletic career, both before Iowa State and all through Iowa State. I just was overwhelmed with gratitude and first with just God and the gifts and talents and opportunities that he had provided my parents all the years of care and encouragement. My boyfriend at the time is now my husband and everything he lived with through me. And then my coach, Iowa State, the athletic department, my teammates, doctors, teachers. It's like, I think in that moment in talking with Jamie, it's just, I, I guess I was surprised by my own reaction in, in a good way. I felt that it would be this, this moment of, of pride and it really wasn't it was this moment of intense gratitude towards everybody else and it just struck me of what a unique opportunity this great award allows me to thank those it's been 15 years and and uh, you know to have that additional opportunity to circle back now that I've had years of reflection and and what it's kind of helped to shape the rest of my life yeah I guess that's how I'd sum it up it's just uh, overwhelming sense of gratitude. That's a neat reaction. Tell me a little bit about growing up in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, track and, and basketball star, and, and maybe your path to Iowa State and how you ended up coming to Iowa State and competing in, in track and field. Well, I came to Iowa State injured. Yep. My official visit, I was I had torn an ACL and was actually physically in an immobilizer and on crutches as I came off the flight to, um, to make my official visit. I grew up in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. We went to Park Center High School high school and was blessed with just some fantastic coaches at my high school that were flexible and knowledgeable and saw opportunity in me that I maybe wouldn't have seen in myself. My parents, you know, they they knew how to love. They still know how to love. And when I say that, it's this idea that, you know, we grew up with common sense. I have a brother and a sister. They gave us an upbringing rooted in a foundation of faith, and they were there to support and help in anything that our hearts desired, but they also allowed our independence in making final decisions. I was a multi-sport my entire life. I played four to six sports in a given year. Every season was a different sport. They were never overly concerned about, you know, laser focusing me on, on one thing or trying to, and, and just the beauty of that gift of being, having the freedom to be with my friends, enjoy multiple sports. I think that's really what allowed my athleticism to shine. And my coaches there at Park Center helped to recognize that gift and talent I had in the high jump. A little funny story about that. I was in high school, and the only reason I kind of picked up interest in the high jump is I had strep throat. I was um, coming off a of strep throat, and the, the I was a distance runner, actually. I had run cross country, 
and was out. Um, we were going to do a long outdoor run, and because of the weather, it's like, I probably really shouldn't be outside with my strep throat. And so we were indoors. Well, the only groups that were indoors were the field teams, the field groups. They were, had the high jump pits set up, and so a coach was like, oh, you want to, you know, you try the high jump? And I said, yeah, I did it. I did it in junior high. And um, he's like, oh, okay, well, how, how'd you, how high did you go? And I was like, oh, I think I went 5-1. He goes, oh, you mean 4-1? You mean <laughs> so no, I think it was five one, and 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 he's like really, and so here I am in my tennis shoes, and we get them set up, and and uh, I just remember being really excited to attempt the high jump again because in junior high they had you know just your your fiad track and field day or whatever it was, and and I beat the boys, and I <laughs> just remember I thought oh, this is going to be fun, you know, I have the feeling of being able to you know beat the boys and do this high jump and. Anyway, so when Coach Bruce Smith, who still coaches at, at uh, Park Center there, saw me jumping, he was like, um, i, I got to talk to the coaches. We've got to <laughs> figure out a, a different plan here for your track time, where I was initially earmarked as a, as a distance runner. So with that, I got into the jumps, did high jump, long jump, and I guess the interesting path that my athletic career took, you know, there's always blessings in disguise. I think if I had to you know, summarize my athletic career, it'd be just so many blessings in disguise because it was spotted with injury and heartache and really just turmoil times. But out of those difficulties came uh, great fruit. Um, One of those was, like I said, the strep throat. Well, that led me to high jumping and then battled with injury. It it helped me to focus in on an event instead of multiple events. I focused on the jumps and the sprints during track season, and then I'd run cross country. (laughs) So I was kind of this hybrid. In fact, when I was being recruited for various colleges, some of them were looking at me as a multi-sport athlete. Mm -hmm. Others were recruiting me as as jumps. By the time I was a junior, I had multiple um, state titles for Minnesota in the high jump um, and long jump. But then due to a basketball injury, I tore my ACL and did not have a senior year in track. And so the recruiting efforts were based on my performances as a sophomore and junior. And at the time, you know, I just, I didn't have any, and nor did my parents. We had no clue or idea about collegiate athletics or what that would entail or even that I was kind of eligible or being looked at for for collegiate athletics. I was very focused on my studies. And so I, I, I think my journey was unassuming. <laughs> I just I was an unassuming mm-hmm. kid. We were an unassuming family and when we started getting contacted, even though I was injured and there were still colleges interested in um, visiting with me and having me on official visits, I did in fact have a number of full ride scholarship offers from a number of schools, and after after I hurt myself, there was one school that reduced scholarship offer, but outside of that, yeah, I was felt very blessed to have my selection of choices, and so when I made my official visit to Iowa State, like I said, I was in this immobilizer, and it was winter, and I was on crutches. You know, there's few things that stick out, and so vividly, I fell. I actually slipped on a sidewalk as we were touring campus. Oh, boy. I was with Coach and some other teammates that were showing me around. They brought me into the training center, and, you know, we... The trainers, you know, took a look and looked at my knee and everything was still fine and I didn't damage anything. And I just, I'm just sitting there on the table thinking, here I am being recruited as a division one track and field star, you know, with this expectation. And I'm sitting in the training room <laughs> with a big old injured knee and I'm not even here yet. It was unbelievable. It oh, was wow. unbelievable. So Coach and I just, we hit it off immediately. He laughs and we'll sit tall. He's like, yeah, when she came off the plane, I'm this Minnesota City girl with glitter eyeshadow. He, you know, he's like, what is she coming here to Iowa State? But I, I remember distinctively saying to him, you know, what do you think? What do you think, Coach? And he kind of looked at me odd and 
and he's like, well, what do you mean? You know, I, you know, he was asking me what I was thinking, you know, how, what do you think of this or that? And I said, well, you know, you're going to have to live with me every day for the next four years, too. It's not just me. You know, what do you, you think you can handle, you know, do this with me? And, and uh, he laughed and he said, I've you know, never been asked that. I, you know, I'm with you. And I, I just felt so authentically cared about on the Iowa State campus from everyone I met. I fell in love with the, with the beauty of the campus. But more so, I, I was so magnetized to the people and the authentic care that was given to me, not only my visit, but before my visit, after my visit, and then certainly when I got on campus. And that's how I, I came to Iowa State. And that coach was Ron McEachern, correct? Ron McEachern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was five years, as it turns out, that he was stuck with you. <laughs> six. Uh, yeah, six. Oh, six. six even. That's right. <laughs> well, you mentioned you know, kind of the, the disguised blessings sometimes in life. And I want to get into in a minute the adjustment you made because of your knee injuries. But knee problems were uh, something for you as early as high school, but right into your early years at Iowa State. And I, did, did it end up you had four left knee surgeries total? Is that right? Depends on how you count. I had a couple scopes and a couple, I had a hardware removal. And so I had some minor, I had two major two major ACL reconstructive surgeries and um, and then two minor scopes and, okay. and some hardware removal, different things. But yeah, my left knee was a major blessing in disguise. <laughs> well, what, what, before we talk, and I want to talk to you about that yeah, and the yeah. adjustment you made, but I want to ask you, first of all, what made you hang in there through all those surgeries and, all, and the obvious problems, you know, trying to get, because you basically are almost going three years without really getting a chance to compete. I think a lot of people would have said, okay, maybe this just isn't my destiny. I'm going to quit. What made you hang in there? That's such a great question. You know, in my experience, it was in those hidden, quiet times when no one was looking that the greatest progress was made in my journey. So both from a attitude, a perspective, and a physical training lens, those things that kept me driven were always quiet, hidden, unseen by no one else. I can give you a couple examples. One, um, so you, you mentioned my, my surgeries. After, after my last surgery, uh, Dr. Greenwald in Ames was, was my surgeon, and I remember sitting with him at a post-op appointment and asking, you know, doctor, I wanna, am I going to jump again? You know, I wanted his opinion. Am I going to jump again? And he looked at me and he said, do you want to jump again? I said, yeah, yeah, I want to jump again. But am I going to be any good? How high do you think I could jump? Sorry. <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> and uh, he said, how high do you want to jump? I said, Doc, I want to go six foot. And he said, uh, if that's what you want to do, you can do it. You can do it. And so his voice of confidence, now, you know, obviously, <laughs> to, your, to your earlier point, I had never jumped six foot. I had not competed in a track meet at a, at a Division One level for the first two years of my time at Iowa State. And here I have a doctor telling me for, through his medical expertise, you know, that if I desire it, if I want it, I can do it, right? Wow. I was capable. I needed his, I needed that assurance. And so his voice of confidence is one. The other, 
my, my boyfriend, now my husband, Chris, he's an Iowa State graduate, but at the time, we were dating, and we started dating when I was, uh, let's see, it would have been my sophomore year, and after my second knee surgery, I was in just one of those um, really sad places, and I remember sitting in my dorm, and I had my knee raised up, big ice packs on it, and Chris had come over to visit me, we were chatting. I was really sad, really bummed out, not knowing, you know, why am I here? I'm taking up a space on the team. There's other deserving people of the scholarship. I should, you know, I need to talk to coach. I should turn in my scholarship, and I, I need to do something else. It's not working out. And um, what Chris saw that I didn't see at the time is he saw how much I had tied my identity to being an athlete. Mm-hmm. And because of that... It was hard for me to see my own personal value in anything but athletics. And that's a really dangerous place for people to find themselves. Mm -hmm. And he said, Gina, I have never known you to be a great athlete. In fact, I have never known you to even be an athlete. And I still love you. And that's what he said. And that would have been another one of those quiet personal moments mm-hmm. that spoke so deeply to my heart because he was a voice of reason for me and encouragement for me to say, you know what, I can keep trying, and if it doesn't work out, it's okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Like, I'm still going to be Gina. I'm still going to be loved by those that care about me. And my value isn't a function of my athletic performance. Mm-hmm. I would say that was another one, but, you know, something that pushed me through is, is Chris, and that's one example of many that he he really walked walked and limped the journey with me. And then uh, the other, obviously my parents, I could go into so many stories there. Um, most of them are late-night conversations over a bowl of cereal <laughs> with my mom. <laughs> and then my coach, you know, I just, I, I'll say this, I'll give one example of where coach, you know, on a daily basis, helped to pull me through and keep me um, motivated to stay the course. But one such conversation is after my second knee surgery and the discouragement of trying to get back, and and we had just started attempting jumps again, so enough time had gone by and enough rehabilitation. And it just, it was not going well. I mean, I was, I was struggling. I was, wasn't even near my performance as a high school student. And I remember having the conversation with him and I said, I am just going to try to jump the other the other side. And without batting an eye, without discouragement, without, and he's like, I mean, in his mind, I think it was, can't hurt. <laughs> we certainly can't get worse. <laughs> it's not going to hurt. If you want to try it, I'll go for it, you know. So we just had the conversation. I We measured out. I just did some random little pops on the other side to get some ideas. And my point there is, coach didn't scoff at a left field idea you know he was supportive encouraging willing to try and willing to walk with me through that painful process of essentially relearning the event coming from a different direction which is to me the most remarkable thing that you did because being a dominant right-handed person i can't imagine doing something left-handed like pitching a baseball or i mean which is basically the equivalent of what you did, being able to switch to jump off your right foot, what were the challenges 
And how long did it take before you were good at it? <laughs> Our human nature is so miraculous, isn't it? Because, and, and people have used that example of, the, of, the, of a pitcher and, and uh, switching hands, but there's so many people that have faced these kinds of adversities, where they're, they're, whether they lose a limb or, or a leg and have to relearn in a new way how to do something that used to be so familiar to them. Mm-hmm. And for me, again, it was one of those blessings in disguise. In changing jump legs, it was a clean slate opportunity to learn it anew without any bad habits, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's where Coach was able to explain things to me at a, at a, at a different level now that I, I wouldn't have been able to grasp as a, as a high school student, you know, that were much more technical, mm-hmm. much more specific, and I was able to incorporate those in, from the get-go into training on the other side. And I think that was massive as a benefit to me in relearning how to jump from the other side. It's humbling. You know, it was humbling because those first few jumps were uh, ugly mm-hmm. and awkward yeah. and weird. Like you said, you know, you start trying to write with the other hand and it's not going to quite even be legible, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And, um, and so that journey was long, you know, and it was a slow process. And I'll, I'll tell you maybe the turning point uh, with that, with deciding to try to jump off that other leg is my freshman year at Iowa State was a red shirt season. My sophomore year at Iowa State was a medical red shirt mm-hmm. year. And during that time, you are allowed to compete unattached late in the season and trying to learn to jump on the other leg. I was an unattached athlete, you know, wearing street clothes, went with a couple other athletes to, um, I believe it was Simpson, a meet out in Simpson. So, again, it, coach wasn't even with me. They were, he was with team. They had another event happening. But it was me and a couple other teammates that went to this meet just to compete. But that was the meet that I jumped 5'8". No one at that meet would have known the significance of Mm -hmm. that jump to me. Mm -hmm. And what that was to me is I had cleared the height that I had as a high school student. And for me, it was the moment that I knew I had arrived. I had arrived. I was now back to a performance level that I had been at before my surgeries. And from that moment on, I had the confidence to push myself to the next level to try to get better. But again, it was, I, I remember being at that meet, jumping and coming off the mat and sitting down after everything was done, untying my shoes and just bawling and just crying. And I think people thought I was bawling either because I was hurt or I was upset. Uh-huh. And they didn't understand that I was so overcome with emotion of, um, of what that moment meant for me. But again, it was quiet. It was hidden. <laughs> and so the, the, the best parts of, of my journey tended to be that way. Today's Sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are proud to support Iowa's farmers in the field and Iowa State Athletics on the field. I know you got better and better as you went. 2002, obviously a magical year for you. You're the Big 12 Outdoor Champion, NCAA runner-up indoors, uh, third outdoors. At that point, I'm guessing that everything's really feeling like it was all worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and... Not only worth it, but um, I remember that year, I was so thankful for the performances that those that traveled with me could enjoy them with me. Because as much as I had to do in putting in the time and the work and the practices, and that was coach. So that was my boyfriend. That was my teammates that had to 
do all of the hard work with me. <laughs> and so to have performance that contributed back to the team, that gave points towards our efforts as an Iowa State group, I felt like I was finally at a place that I was giving back to a sport and to a team and to a coach that had invested so much in me. You left Iowa State as a four-time Big 12 champ, six-time All-American, and maybe most impressively, two-time Iowa State Female Athlete of the Year. That's a hard thing to win even once, much less twice. Amazing accomplishments, but I, I would assume that you had an even greater appreciation for all those rewards given the barriers that you had to overcome. You had stuck with it, you had hung in there, and then not only got back to a level where you can be competitive, but got to a level where you were champion. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're very kind, John. You gave me one additional All-American on there. <laughs> <laughs> five. But that's very generous of you. Oh, it's my own. It's my eyes. They're going bad. I did have five written down. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. I'm not going to take credit for any more, than, any more than I did. Things that are worthy in the eyes of other people, it would be the rare occasion that they could ever point to their own self-effort. It takes me and, and work and the weight room and, and doing all of that, but the gift of that is, is really for those that that did it you know and even even i was reflecting on this this award of the hall of fame and well sure it's recognizing the accomplishments but it's this idea like those accomplishments have already received their award mm-hmm. i received the trophy i received the medal i stood on the award stand um, i was praised i was written about the accomplishments had received their reward this is for me is really all about those that journeyed with me. They are the unsung behind the scenes heroes that allowed me to share those gifts and to perform at the level that I did. For example, when I um, was was officially completed my eligibility to compete as an Iowa State Cyclone, I still at that point I had qualified for the Olympic trials, and so I still had this year of training, right? Mm. But I wasn't officially, you know, connected any longer. I graduated and received my degree, but coach and the team, and they were willing to still um, love me and embrace me in training. And Iowa State to provide me access to facilities and all of that stuff. It was, it was phenomenal. And I was working full time at the, at the time, still training. And my employer was supportive of that and allowing me to leave when I needed to leave to do training. Our sister school there, Drake, even welcomed me and Brian Brown, who is a, mm-hmm. a high jump Olympian there, and he allowed me to zip over there on my lunch hour and wow. would pull pits out and let me jump over at the Drake facility. I mean, it, it, the, the outpouring of love I received, not just from Iowa State then, but the whole Des Moines community was phenomenal. I, just, it was, I was overwhelmed with the way that people would go out of their way for the sake of my benefit in pursuing a dream and being able to perform at that level. The more I reflect on, on the time, and I think the, the appreciation grows, even as time goes by, because now I'm in a different season of life and, and reflecting back, I don't know that I could have articulated or appreciated in the same way then that I do now. <laughs> well, and you were, you were, in the meantime, doing a tremendous job in the classroom, four-time academic All-Big 12, and, and then you had a really unique experience as part of the search committee for a new athletic director at Iowa State. 22 members on that committee. That's a lot of responsibility. What do you remember from that experience? That was an honor. That was that was really, really neat to just be part of a, a group of respected individuals that were reviewing really qualified candidates to try to help 
guide and make some leadership decisions about the direction of Iowa State Athletics. That was really humbling to be part of that search committee. When you bring that experience up, it reminds me, I actually had the the great opportunity to sit on the committee for Hall of Fame inductees Mm -hmm. several years ago. And I remember having that same feeling of, wow, you know, I get to help to shape and help to honor these athletes of times past. One thing that I remember is how impressed I was with just the amount of care that went into the process. Mm-hmm. That this isn't a position that is put out on the internet and someone applies and fantastic, you've got the credential. It's, it's a real intense process. And so having that confidence that the person selected would are extremely qualified and beloved by leadership of the campus community. You're back home in Minnesota now, and I'm just curious what part of your Iowa State experience do you still kind of carry with you to this day? And I'm sure that it might be multiple things that you carry with you, but does something stand out that you really take with you in your everyday life now from that Iowa State experience? Yeah, you know, when we we lived in Iowa another 10 years after I was done, and I coached at Dowling Catholic for, for five years before we moved to Minnesota, I think that wearing the hat as coach was certainly something that was a direct outflowing of my experience at Iowa State and the kind of coach that I wanted to be to others is that, you know, just like I was blessed with is that that encouraging, supportive, yes, we're going to focus on excellence and doing everything we can to maximize your own potential. But at the end of the day, it's about the person. And I care about you authentically as a person. And being that type of a coach was extremely rewarding. I know I got more out of it than, than any of my athletes did. During my time there, it was just uh, such a such a great experience to be coach. When we moved to Minnesota, we had had our first child. He was nine months old, and I have I visited with a number of, of high schools in the area. And, and while I would love to throw my hat back into coaching and to being a part of the track community, we have been blessed with. I'm actually pregnant with our fifth. Oh wow! Um, I'm doing I'm doing October, uh-huh. and so there just has not really been. A, kind of that that window of opportunity <laughs> to, to really engage on a, on, a, on a regular committed basis. But I would say that the lessons I learned as an athlete during my time at Iowa State and the people that God chose to put in my path has been invaluable in the way that I've been able to live my life up here and the types of jobs that I've taken on, you know, in choosing to stay home after the birth of our second son. I'm deeply involved on a volunteer basis with our our church and our school, and then I take on contract work where it fits the season of life that I'm in, and that's been a real great blessing for me and my family. I feel like I'm hammering this this point, but where I did my head keep speaking to my heart about the perspective, the perspective on life that athletics has been able to give me in what I prioritize and where I prioritize it and what's most important, you know, and for, for this season, it's family, it's my children, it's giving back to the community, and I, I really think that all of that has been fostered through my experience at Iowa State. I think you're the uh, the poster child for dealing with adversity in a positive way and having it turn out as a positive I think a lot of people that would have had the hurdles put in front of them that you did wouldn't have been as successful. But just your outlook on life, you take on everything with this positive outlook. And obviously that guided your path to to such great success. And we're really excited to have you going into our Hall of Fame. And I just really appreciate you taking some time and sharing those great stories with us. And I can tell how much it means to you. And I just have a great appreciation for you doing that. Thanks, John. It's just just a 
a big ball of gratitude. Today's SciCast was brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Stop by one of their locations and learn why Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are Iowa's clear first choice. Thanks for listening.